This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. New edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. Chris Forsberg of NBC Sports Boston is here. And Joe Mazzula is officially your night. It, it feels weird talking about this, Chris, because he's like, oh, yeah, they made him head coach. I'm like, well, yeah. I did that a while ago, and everyone assumed this was going to happen. I guess the, the surprise about this is him being you know, promoted to the – officially head coach midway yeah. through the season. I guess that is the, that is a story from a timing standpoint. So your and unique timing. Yeah. yeah. So I, I you know, I, I, it was funny. Cause like everyone in my office yesterday was like, Oh, not really surprised. We all knew this was going to happen eventually. And that's absolutely true. I, the timing is a little unique. You know, you come off this first, first half of the season and he's going to all-star and I couldn't quite figure it out. Was it just that, you know, they weren't, they just weren't going to wait around anymore. They, they just wanted that resolution. And ultimately what I think it comes back to is we know how Brad Stevens operates, right? Like he hates when things linger over his players, when they linger over his coaches. And so part of the reason Brad has always wanted to lock players up to deals is they're not worrying about their next contract. So when he takes over, you know, extends Marcus, extends Rob, extends Josh Richardson, you know, extends Al this year, you know, he, Brad's whole thing is like clear minds and he wants to have everybody just focused on the singular goal. And I think, you know, you're going to the trade deadline and you're getting, you know, your mind's thinking about all that. And I think he just got to this point. He's like, what else can I do to take one more thing off everybody's plate? And uh, so, I, you know, I don't think there was any other reason or re- there's no other reason to rush it. I mean, they could have waited till June 30th. Uh, and the only other thing I can think of is that like Joe has to go to all-star this weekend and he's going to be peppered with questions about like his status. And like, even though Joe doesn't care about it, having to answer those questions could dredge up some, you know, unnecessary turmoil. And now instead of the focus being like, Hey, why are you interim? And like, what's going on with Ime? Now it's, Hey, how cool is it? You're, the, you're, you're officially the head coach. How do you feel about that? hundred percent. And seeing that the Celtics already posted questions of Joe doing interviews on Thursday night. Right. From Boston, like that, 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 explains the timing 100% I think in part there and it is it's you know you part you wonders oh like you know do they wait to the postseason to kind of see how it goes but then at that standpoint it's like well what's really even like an ugly first round loss which seems so unlikely like would would right. that really be his death I definitely at this point probably not like I think I mean we won't know now obviously but like there, it unless was, it's his fault somehow, like unless he right. like multiple games where he was slow with a timeout or didn't do something, which you just don't expect. Yeah, I mean, there's still certainly room for growth, but yeah, like I I, I keep thinking the same thing. Like what would Trenny on our on early edition was like, this is way too premature. We we you know I because I've said repeatedly that we judge coaches on the postseason, which is true, but nothing he does is going to take away from what he's already accomplished in terms of just keeping the the you know the wheels on this thing at the start of the year. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm like, I, I just think it's, and, and uh, honestly, if it does go bad, what's the harm? You can still replace them. It's true. It's just, it's, it's just right. more Wick's, <laughs> it, I'm not spending Wick. I mean, it, it's not my money. It's Wick's money. So like, you know, if they feel comfortable, then, and if they feel like this is just puts them in an even better position to, to trudge forward, then so be it. I don't think it's uh, I don't think we'll have, we're going to even have to cross that bridge. Uh, but it, you know, it's, that's the way coaching works. Right. Yeah, I don't think the I don't think the negotiation on the extension was probably too hard hitting at this point from a mm. a dollars and cents standpoint from uh the Missoula side. Um but yeah, it is I think more than anything else, what this tells me beyond the the, the points that you made as well as just like the players are fully bought into Joe. 
And that's what I think it boils down to more than anything else. And it's like, I don't think they, I think they were to begin with, but there was a lot of the, you know, like guys like Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown mm-hmm. at media day were saying like, yeah, you know, probably holding out hope that email would be coming back or just feeling a little bit attacked or uneasy about like this whole situation of being like, why, why is this guy yep. we, we love, you know, you know, cast aside without us really knowing what the heck's going on here. But now you're, you have the best team in the league through 60 games the the buy-in across this locker room is as good as ever. People from Blake Griffin to Brogdon to Mike Muscala are raving about the locker room stuff. And so when you put all that together, it's a situation where, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna count on not disastrous things happening. And if this in any way helps Joe from a confidence standpoint and mm-hmm. you know takes him, you know, lets him cut loose a little bit more, which I think is a Uh-oh. good thing for him. Um, <laughs> I think all that stuff thrown together made it like, all right, this is, this is the time we should just like take care of this now. Now he's further emboldened to hit us with one word answers after, <laughs> after post game press conferences and, and be, and be angry after loss. Very, very appreciative yeah. on his, on his yes. conference call last night. Right. With, uh, the media. So, very appreciative look, of us. I, and I, we joked about it on our programs yesterday. Like we do, we obsess about little things, timeout calls and, you know, like the gum chewing and his short answers after losses when he can be a little bit irritated and doesn't always handle those questions perfectly. But like, I don't know, like I get it. He seems super competitive. I think there's just an aspect to it. We see it when the, the, the pickup games, you know, we've seen those clips of him like going all out, knocking down the other assistant coaches, contesting threes and stuff like that. So dude wants to win. And, uh, you know, sometimes that that irritates him. I think I keep saying it's very Belichick-like when he gets to that podium. But in the grand scheme of things, like, as much as we obsess about the minutia, when you step back and it's like, just think about how we felt on media day. It felt like, man, this thing is being held together with duct tape. You know, the players are pissed about the email situation. Here comes Joe. And, like, how is that going to go? And they didn't really miss a beat. And they won a billion games at the start of the year. And Joe made it an emphasis to start strong, knowing how important that would be. And did it without Rob out there and no Danilo. And then all the other injuries that have cropped up along the way. So, you know, long story short, credit to Joe. I do think, you know, this is coaching in a nutshell. We focus on the bad more than the good. And he's certainly earned uh, this extension. And just like you said, I don't know. I don't know if it'll change his demeanor. I kind of hope he like shows up and takes the parking spot and clear, you know, give me, he's probably, he's got the office already. So I don't know like what else he could do, but um, yeah, he should feel a little bit more comfortable to like, okay, you know, I don't think he was ever looking over his shoulder or like worried about it, but I guess it's only natural when you're not firmly entrenched and, and now there's no, no, there's nothing, no, no little cloud hovering anymore. Yeah. And by all counts, I mean, it probably will change nothing about like he works his butt off um in terms of he knows his numbers he knows his stuff mm-hmm. and so if it i guess it just takes away the possibility that anything was hanging over his head which may not have been the case to begin with but you don't know you don't know sometimes you don't realize that until it's gone um with a situation like that when you're and when you're in the, the other the, the other thing i was going to say is like you know I, not that i expect any real coaching changes in the league over the next two months like but once you get to the, end of the regular season teams are going to start firing coaches and like yep. name is going to invariably come back up. And so like, and that would be the worst possible time for the Celtics. You're, pre- you're preparing for the first round against the Nets again or something like that. And now like that's the, a topic of conversation again. So I don't know. I just think, um, you know, again, Brad wants to eliminate distractions to me. That that's sort of what it, what it comes down to. And he wants to put the focus on this. How would you grade 
Joe on the season. You know, like again, we 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 can quibble about. I, I would love to go back in the Mass Live archives and how many times you both because you, you've been on both ends. You've praised him when he's made yeah. like press the right buttons, which I think he's done a lot. But he's also had moments where like fairly we've we've wondered if his timeout usage is is, is the best strategy. Uh, where do you land on on Joe Mazzulla's grade overall for the first fifty nine games of his Celtics tenure? I think I go like B plus A minus. Yeah, and that's and I don't think I'm being generous at all there. I think there are a couple clear cut instances, game situations where he was slow on the trigger, whether it was the end of that Milwaukee game or that game in Miami. Um, but big picture wise, top five in offense, top five in defense. Um, Pretty good development, you know, across the board in terms of the young guys, you know, stepping up and filling a, a role when they need to and um, getting the full buy-in of the, the Blake Griffins of the world. And then the only other quibble you really can take with him is, is, and we won't really have a full answer to this until the end of the postseason, is just like the the minutes load, is it going to matter or yeah. not for some of these guys? And and they're already taking some step, steps to address that stuff with the, the the Rob Williams bench gate and um and other uh, <laughs> we get into that for, we get so but I, I'll go quick like I, I agree I think it was funny we did a segment on post game live and uh, uh Eddie House threw it at Tom Giles and Giles said B plus A minus and Eddie got really mad because he's like pick one like it's an A minus yeah. like don't even think about B plus and I, I'm with him like you know again he's been really good they have the best record in basketball there's a reason he's going to coach at All Star and considering all the turmoil that was around the team. What this staff and Joe together have been able to do is remarkable. What the hell was up with Rob that night? I'll, I'll give you my conspiracy theory, and I'll see if you agree. I think they've been giving Rob the first night uh, back-to-backs off. The, that was probably the plan going up to Milwaukee. They probably planned to have zero starters available, or maybe they thought Al would play, and I, you know, maybe they. That, I don't even know if they put Al out there alone, but let's say that there was a, that was their plan. And then Al has the swelling. They downgrade him to out. Now that I think they have to be like, okay, Rob, we weren't going to play you, but can you give us a little bit and we're going to pace you because we might need you on the second night of a back-to-back, but then Al comes back. And so they just rest him off completely, but it, it came off unseemly because he didn't play a lot of minutes. Didn't look great either, but um, you know, in that game, you would have thought, especially late that they could have used him a little bit more. Yeah. I, I a hundred percent think that, I mean, he played 32 minutes against Memphis on Sunday. Right. And when you're throwing in the game anyway, it's like, yeah, we don't want we don't want Giannis to beat up Rob in this game if he's not 100 percent. So I think it was as simple as like, yeah, we're going to this is like a, a minutes management type game. Like he's allowed to play what probably 15 minutes, like maybe we'll play him on the back to back. We probably won't. But we want to have that option open, even though it's even though even that is like even though it's you're playing Detroit, like there should be no situation right. where you're considering playing. <laughs> if you're going to try him out in a back to back, try him out in a back to back that like you need him for. But yeah, I think I think you nailed it in terms of that, and and Joe obviously at in the moment didn't really want to you know admit to that or felt like you know he wants to protect his players a little bit you know you know to uh to a high degree. But that's uh I I think that's more just a a unique circumstance. I don't yeah. I don't expect Rob Williams to be coming off the bench any anymore. And just I wish you would have. And again, coaches are at no order to to tell us truthfully like what's going on. But I think it would have helped clear up if he had just come out and said, you know, like, look, we were down a lot of guys. We had to manage minutes. Rob's played a lot. He doesn't typically play the first night of back-to-backs. The fact that he kind of went one-word answer on all that stuff and uh, didn't help clarify probably didn't made, made probably made the matter bigger than it than it needed to be. Right. Okay. 
So that is, uh, no, that was a, there's a lot of fun, interesting stuff from that game. And that was one of them. Um, we haven't talked since the trade deadline. Ooh. Um, Five, what, what are your musky thoughts? What, what, oh what, what, do we, what do we think? A pretty hot could, start for musky. I could not have known the musky experience would be this delightful. Um, I, you know me, when we were talking before the deadline, I was very high on, like, I thought they should go after a Kelly Olenek type who could, you know, play with every big and stretch the floor and do all those things. And uh, we I, actually, you know, I think you were on my pod when, when I said Ryan Bernadoni on this podcast had the, or, you know, or tweet had the great line, dollar store uh, <laughs> Kelly Olenek. And he really has, like, uh, maybe even better than Dolph. Better than Kyle, like, like, I don't know, like last week. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, he shot the three really well. He shot it with confidence. Eight shots his first game out there. And uh, and just doesn't show any hesitation. Has held up pretty well defensively. They were targeting him. What game was, it? was that? Ja was going at him against Memphis, I think it was. Yeah. That, uh, they were definitely seeking him out. And that was the first time I said, ooh, you know, that's that feels like a little bit of a, of a playoff moment where – if he's if, and I don't know if he's going to play in the playoffs, but if he, they target him like that, then it's going to be tough. Um, but yeah, like, and then he shows up the other night and rocks the denim jacket and the, <laughs> the seven-inch platform shoes, and uh, I can't get enough of the of the Mike Muscala uh, and the Super Mario tattoo. Like, I didn't know like he's got Tanuki Mario on his left shoulder or whatever from uh, Super Mario Three, I think it is when he when he flies. Uh, so I'm I am fascinated by this experience, and uh, yet again, the Celtics identify a player that uh, the analytics love that you know that makes good things typically happen when he's on the court. And much like Derek White has now blossomed, and like not like Derek White hadn't blossomed before this, but just like it's been accentuated by the absences around him. Uh, you know, Brad hits again with with a low budget addition, like, you know, and no matter how you feel about the deal, like Justin Jackson wasn't going to be playing these minutes and, uh, and, and Brad continues to, to, to find ways to beef up the roster at, at without necessarily having to, to splurge a whole lot in this instance. Yeah, it is. When you look at the price tags of some guys that were moved to the deadline, the number of second round picks. And I honestly thought that, okay, see, so it'd be like, Oh, like, we'll just keep him. He's cheap. He's like, Mm. I, I he was on like one or two of my list, but I didn't spend much time on him because I, I didn't think that you know he's making three million dollars a year. Like same. Why why would you move him? And they started like, playing better. Right, they play better of him. Right. So like why why would you move that dude? But I, I guess they just figured uh, it's still I mean, better. They're gonna have them, Chet but... next year, I guess. So they're gonna be like, all right, we yeah. might as well just like get get a second round pick or two for him now. But um, yeah, it's uh, we're already at. Uh, do you want to make a guess at the how many three point attempts per thirty six we're at right now? With oh wow, per thirty six. Per thirty six. So let's go. I uh, would go high because he had eight that first game. It's got to be like ten. Ten point nine. Wow, that's outrageous. Ten point nine. Um, already essentially third, almost third in the team on the team in field goal attempts per thirty six at fourteen point seven, but. <laughs> widely like lapping sam hauser who previously led the threes per 36 with 9.3 and muscala said Psh. and so that that to me is like i don't think he's gonna play a lot in the playoffs but I, he is a great option to have if depending on how teams are defending against the bucks of the road and if you have a Derek white hesitating to take threes or yeah. great way of saying like, okay guess what guys muscala's out there and guess what he's gonna get him up it's like he's gonna <laughs> like he is not gonna hesitate like where he's not gonna think and this is going to be on again. We'll see where how Joe Mazzula gets tested here. Of like, if he has it, it's great. If he doesn't have it in a game, you're probably gonna to have to get him off quick because he'll yeah. probably take five threes in like four minutes. <laughs> and you know, and we saw 
poor the poor guy played 43 minutes he had nothing in his legs in the fourth quarter and the overtime of that game so i have no idea why they like played him so like much someone, someone said that was the longest he's ever played in the game right like, yeah I think easily by fair. like seven minutes <laughs> like like i love it holy hell but I, I knew i knew he hadn't played a lot in oklahoma city that he like topped out at 24 minutes or something like that but you could tell like by the by the start of the third quarter he was coming up five feet short on three-pointers and i was like he's got nothing left in the tank but credit because he was really good before that so yeah if you played in the right right uh right uh burst of minutes it will be uh it'll be perfectly fine do you think they of course we all now uh, i've like toned down my obsession with with uh, with adding another buyout guy but you know especially you hear like kevin love come available now do you would you, would you, is there anyone left out there that hasn't already been swooped up or just given the state of the team, do you think it's even uh, a, a need at this point? I think the names that you like care about are, are gone at this point mm-hmm. that like actually like could have a, you know, a chance of getting a sniff of a playoff minutes. Um, it was Danny I, Green or bust pretty much. Danny Green, <laughs> right. I mean, Danny Green, Terrence Ross would have been interesting, um, but he, I don't think was ever going to come here because he needs playing time to get his next contract. And then, yeah, like, Will Barton's out there. Like, I don't think yeah. he's going to come. I mean, I think all these – and then obviously all the guards and stuff. Love – I think probably Muscala is probably better than Love at this stage of his career um, in terms of definitely of the three-point shooting. Um, yeah. Oh, and I also have – this is – winning plays exclusive here on Ooh. Muscala. So you, you posted that clip of him getting the tech. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, like, it looked like he was going at the bench. Right. Incorrect. It was at the ref, right? It was yeah. at the ref. And so I asked him after the game about it, and he was like, yeah, no, that wasn't with the bench at all. He was like, I got nailed in the head. And if you watch a replay, content did get him really bad in the head yeah. on that play. If you, so I, I didn't notice it in the moment. And, and part of it was just I heard the, the DNT broadcast say, like, oh, he's mugging at the bench. But then when you do go back and watch it, he says, uh, he, he, uh, Mark Davis, I think, is the official. And he says, Mark, you know, what the F? I'm like, yeah. in the <laughs> head, you know? And uh, it's clear. But it's still, he became a legend in that moment. Like, there was uh, that, that, that tweet blew up because people were just like, he's got that dog in him. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I I fully enjoyed uh, people losing their mind over the the Mike Muscala. Uh, the legend <laughs> will continue technical. to grow. <laughs> yeah. So first career technical, not drawing at the bench. Actually, drawing at a, a pretty bad missed foul call, but uh, still, <laughs> still high entertainment there. Um, all right, that's going to do it for us. Uh, Chris Forsberg, NBC Sports Boston. Enjoy the All Star break. You, are you going to? I was going to say, are you going to get to enjoy the All Star break? You're not going to pump it out like fifty articles. I mean, people uh, have to know about the Jason Tatum three point contest. Uh, <laughs> He's going to win we, it. We'll be, yeah, we'll be. We'll they'll still be a steady flow at Mass Life, but we'll, we'll be staggering our, good, our workloads between Suichi and myself. And I trust we'll have eight posts for you in the next week. Um, <laughs> from south carolina that's, that's impressive i will not be posting any times i might have, i do i do have a few things in the can that will post while i'm while i'm gone but uh uh i will hopefully be on a golf course and uh and not thinking about the Celtics for a few days. i'm disappointed you're not meeting with danny age in utah to be honest but i guess I'm, well really... you know what that was actually the original plan and then uh uh danny is a busy man he was uh he's already posting uh interviews last night and so uh i will i'll probably try to catch up with him a little further down the road all right well stay tuned for that make sure you check out the Celtics Talk Pod and Celtics Post Up, which should be up, I believe, from uh, this find it from last night. We, we ate cereal night. and we, we wore jean jackets like Mike Muscala. So <laughs> go, find, go, go find it on your DVR. I can't wait to that first interview with Muscala on the on oh, it's post up there. It's be, I've already, I've already, I've already put in my request. Wait, you just wait. <laughs> All right, stay tuned for that. When we're back for the break, <laughs> make sure you're following Chris out there and uh, review, subscribe to Winning Place Pod. We'll talk to you guys after the break. <laughs>